Everybody ready for some word today? I trust you come ready. Let's go over to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. Acts, the 20th chapter. I want to continue today a series that we started two weeks ago. Now, if you missed part one or part two, I I highly recommend, both for your sake and for the rest of our sakes, that you get up to speed and get on board with where we're going. These messages build upon each other, one after another. And really, to take any message by itself, it is to some degree out of context, Okay, Uh, not completely because we'll balance things out, but there were things that have been said already regarding what we're talking about that really set us up to receive where we're at today. And so again, those things are on the website. You can avail yourself to them. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35 uh, says this, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Say that out loud with me, the last part there. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, uh, of course, to, to be blessed... You might recall means to be fortunate, it means to be well off, it means to be happy or to be envied. It's a good thing, right? (laughs) To be blessed, basically, when the blessing of God is on someone or something, it just works. And and I I like things when they work. And uh, uh, anybody like that? Any of you try to do some handyman work around your house and it just never works and then you finally call someone and say, I'm going to get someone else to do this. (laughs) I don't like stuff that doesn't work. (laughs) Now listen, this series is called More Blessed. More Blessed. We take it right from this scripture. We're talking about giving. We're talking about giving of our lives, giving of our everything, but there is the blessing of God, and we all know it's blessed to receive. It sure sure is nice to get stuff and and to be blessed by things, but it is more blessed, according to the the Lord Jesus, uh, when we enter into the realm of giving. It is a higher blessing, you're happier, you're better off, and you're more well supplied when, when, uh, when God has taken care of you, you're trusting Him to the point that you become a giver. Now, understand this, that whatever we talk about, we have to watch out. People can respond and react in, in various ways concerning any message. We must never, though, allow ourselves to get into an area of offense, Remember Jesus taught us that offense is something that allows the word to be stolen, the word to be choked out of our lives. Whenever, whenever someone gets an attitude, a wrong attitude towards something, uh, God is hindered from doing what he wants to do in life in their lives. And so we must maintain a proper perspective and a thankful heart and let God's word take us up. Don't let it take you down. Let it take you up to a higher place and operate in a more blessed life than ever. Okay? Now, ultimately, receiving God's blessings are tied to putting Him first. It is not tied directly to an action that we take, but it is tied to a proper motive that produces an action. And that is a motive that God is number one. He is first in life. And this will not happen without an an intentional decision. You see, the flesh, the culture around us, uh, teach us to provide for ourselves. 
self, have self-confidence. Trust in yourself. It's all about me instead of confidence in, in God. Instead of faith in His provision and faith in His promise. And it's a shift of thinking. It's a shift of attitude that goes contrary to our culture. But I tell you what, the end result, oh, it's good, good, good. It is the blessing of God that makes one happy, makes one wise, makes one rich, makes one full of life in every way. And, and we just need to approach these things His way. When God is first... How many know there is never a time when we cannot afford to give? Now, I want you to think about that. It's kind of a strong statement. I say when God is first, there's never a time when we can't afford to give. There will always be something that we can give when God is first. Now, now there may be a time when you can't afford to eat, but, uh, but that's, of, that's not of concern. I realize that might even sound cruel. You saying if I have an opportunity to give or eat, I should choose give? I'm saying when God is first, you will choose that. And you won't go throughout your life thinking, man, or or throughout a a tough time or whatever, man, what are we going to eat? Or where are we going to live? Or how are we going to take care of ourselves? But if the thought comes, oh man, what am I going to do? I'm running low on ability to give. If that heart is present, that is the condition of a person that God blesses. The food, the the provision, the shelter, those things are not an issue. But if we think, well, I don't have enough to give because then I wouldn't have enough for myself. Didn't I wouldn't have enough for my meal. I wouldn't have enough to eat. You're going to be struggling for a while. You'll be perpetually in that situation. But if we can get, make a heart shift, a heart adjustment, where we get to the point where we live and our resources go first and foremost in blessing someone else, in giving to another, in supporting the gospel, then the other things become non-issues. I know it's a new way of thinking, but here we are. Thank you, I will. Okay? See, it's all about priority. See, the fear of lack will cause you to hold on to everything you have. When people are afraid of losing it, not having enough, you'll tightly grip everything that's in your possession. But notice the motivation. The motivation there is fear. Faith in God is freedom. Faith in God, it, it brings victory. Giving can then be done cheerfully. Now, now my goal in this The ultimate goal in this discussion is not compliance to some sort of law of tithes and offerings, but it is is a selfless confidence in God that He blesses. I want to get us all to where when we give, we're glad about it. We're happy about it. Look forward to it. And it's not a put on, fake on, you know, fake someone out. It's not coming from some ulterior motive. It's just, I'm truly happy about this because I'm going to be fine. I mean, I mean, God's got my back. He's going to take care of me every single day. And in that, again, in that heart condition, we can really walk in God's blessings and be more blessed. Now, someone asked me one time, why do you teach tithes and offerings and not just teach giving? Why don't you just teach giving and be a generous person? And I thought about that. I thought, well, first of all, it's 
in the Bible from Genesis, all, I mean, many years ago, all the way back in the beginning, tithing was happening. Later, much later, it got incorporated into the law. And then after the resurrection of Jesus, people were still operating in this sort of, in this act of faith. So that's one reason. And I thought, well, the other reason is because of the abundance of testimonies that I've heard over many years of people when they began to trust God with their first, with their first tenth, when they said, Lord, I I believe that you can do better with this even in my life than I can do on a hundred percent. When I've seen people do that, the testimonies abound. I mean, if I could remember them all, which I can't, we, we, we would be here all day just talking about how God came through and supplied and gave a job and gave a promotion and this increase came as a result, as a direct result of someone saying, I'm going to honor the Lord with my first tenth. I'm going to trust Him with it and not rely upon myself. I mean, the results are astounding. There's so much evidence you cannot ignore it even if you didn't have a Bible. I mean, if you had no other basis for believing this or saying this or doing this, you would see how many people's lives are changed. Why am I saying that? One, to inspire those who are. It's like, yeah, I'm with you there. But I also realize that this is an issue that is close to the heart of many people. And that's called money. It's close to the heart of many people. And if I can help you get free from that, then you'll see God's blessing in your life more than ever before. If I can encourage you, not compel you, not force, not intimidate or pressure in any way where you're doing it as a compliance. But if I can inspire you to trust God with it. And to let God have these things in your life, you'll see Him move like you never have before. And it'll go, it'll extend beyond your finances. It'll extend into other areas of your life. We'll, we'll come back to and talk a little bit about that later. But I want to look at Matthew chapter 6 and talk a little bit today about this word that Jesus used called mammon. So find Matthew chapter 6 with me. And... Uh, Understand that when we talk about offerings, tithes, we talk about giving, uh, I don't tithe because I have to. I tithe because I want to. It honors God. He is first in my life. And I trust Him for my financial supply. So why wouldn't I give to Him first? It just When you get to a certain point in your believing, it makes no sense not to. It really doesn't. Especially to the person who, who is 100% the Lord's. Okay, now Jesus used this word mammon. Let's see here in Matthew 6. Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, anybody have any mammon on them today? <laughs> Not manna, (laughs) mammon. It's a word that simply uh, refers to money, it refers to riches, it it refers to, to wealth or material possessions. But I think there's a little more to it than just the physical object. It has to do with an attitude. It has to do with an attitude of the heart towards those things. The spirit behind this basically says that man doesn't need God. It says that we are self-sufficient. It communicates that we should trust in, put our confidence in riches. And this was the thing that Jesus made this very important statement and a strong statement about. He said, you can't serve two masters. What is he talking about? Well, th- these possessions, 
your money, that kind of stuff, and God. You cannot serve both of those at the same time. I mean, cannot is like pretty extreme statement. Because here's the thing. A lot of people are trying. A whole lot of Christians are trying. I don't mean intentionally trying. I don't mean they're going out and shouting from the mountaintop that I worship the almighty dollar. Right? But their loyalties are divided. And Jesus said, this is a problem. You will not be able to do this. If the closer you get to God, the more you have your focus and priority as Him, you will despise natural things. You will despise some of this natural stuff. I don't mean you won't use it. I don't mean you won't possess it. I don't mean you won't enjoy nice things over bad things. But in comparison to God, it will be like, eh, who even cares about that? Everybody listening to me. But if someone is serving the stuff, serving mammon, you will not be able to have a relationship with God that you would like or that He would like. You'll end up despising Him. Someone said, I would never do that. You would if you do this. You would if you serve money. And if you serve mammon. You see, uh, when it comes to uh, these things, I would encourage you to never, ever for a moment trade your stuff, trade your attention for things for true riches. It's just not a wise trade. A lot of people are doing it. They're, quote, selling their soul for stuff that's going to perish, stuff that's going to that's gonna melt away. Stuff and, and, and it's not a good trade. There is something better. It is the true riches that Jesus said we'd enter into if we'd be faithful with these little things. And uh, it's not just the possession of these things, but it is the place they have in your hearts. You cannot serve God, uh, the, this God that we're talking about, and God at the same time. They go in contrary directions. They go in opposite direction. Adoration for one feeds contempt to the other. And it's a serious issue for the one who really wants to serve God. I really believe that our, our, our stuff, our money, can be blessed by God or it can become our God. And it's all about what we do with it. It's all about our attitude towards it can be blessed by God. Your finances can be so blessed by God. They increase and it's not an issue. And you, or it can become the object of your worship. And then you just won't walk closely with the Lord. Say amen whether you like it or not. First Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy... The sixth chapter. This is a well-quoted verse of Scripture, sometimes misquoted though. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. 610 reads, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The, the what is? The love of money. Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about mammon. We're talking about serving these things. We're talking about worshiping these things as a, as a God to high priority. The love of money. Now, how many know that's different than saying money? Sometimes that's misquoted. and People say, money is the root of all evil. You know the Bible says. Well, well no, 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 the Bible doesn't says. 
the Bible doesn't say that money, it can be used for good, it can be used for evil. It can be a real blessing in your life, but it can also be a curse. It can also be something that is, that is set up as a, as a, as a God. When, when love and affection get set on money, it really becomes a problem. Okay? He, he went on to say, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice, notice what happened. Love of things, love of money comes in. And what, what was the result? As a result of that, people stray from the faith. People, what did they do what? Stray from the faith. They stray from the faith and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. See, see, money is a liar. It will lie to you all day long. It will lie to you saying, if you had a little bit more, you'd be happy. If you just had a little bit more, you'd be, you'd be satisfied. You'd be fulfilled. If you had a little bit more, your marriage would be great. If you had a little bit more, then, uh, you know, all these, it'll constantly lie to you. Why? To get your attention on it, to get you to serve it. See, money has servants. It's looking for servants. Mammon is looking for someone to serve it. And it'll lie to try to get you to bow the knee. It's interesting to me in looking at the ministry of Jesus and his teaching that he never talked like that. I know Ecclesiastes, you know, Solomon talked about how money answers all things. But I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't see Jesus telling people, you know, if you only had a little bit more money, all this problem would go away. And isn't that the way we think about a lot of things? Because we know a little bit more a lot of times, you know, could, could help. But it's interesting that Jesus didn't talk like that. And by the way, by the way, contrary to popular church belief, Jesus wasn't poor. He didn't live a beggarly life. He wasn't squandering. He wasn't a poor person. He was born into a, you know, not a, a wealthy family by any means, but it wasn't too long till people started bringing him gold. Right? He was well supplied through his life and ministry. Don't let religion tell you different that Jesus was just around, you know, beggarly. Listen, I mean, when he needed tax money, he went fishing, you know. Uh, he was well supplied all through, all through his life. He had a staff of uh, 12 people for three and a half years that he paid and took care of. You don't do that as a poor person. Everybody with me? He wore clothes, you know, that they, they cast lots for at the end because they were designer clothes. They were. They were the kind without a seam. And uh, they were really nice. I mean, no matter what people said, you know, they had, he had a treasurer. They regularly gave to the poor. How many know poor people aren't given to the poor? All right, I don't plan on, going, plan on going into all that. But you can read a lot of things through Scripture and notice that the common religious notion about the life of Jesus is just not correct. Okay, there was these rich women that fell, followed him around, the steward of Herod and so forth, that ministered to him of their substance, the Bible says. In other words, he had what we might call partners or church members or whatever. People came and they kept giving to him. He didn't live for stuff, wasn't his objective, shouldn't be ours either. But it doesn't mean he didn't enjoy a well-supplied life. But here's the point I'm making. I said all that to say, still, this Jesus who was well-supplied even in his earthly ministry, he uh, did not tell us. He did not tell us, you just need a little bit money, more money and everything will be fixed. It's not true. It's not true. And by the way, here's a side note. It's not just wealthy people who, are, who have an issue with uh, worshiping and uh, 
worshiping or serving money and things. Many, many times it's, the, it's people who are broke that serve money, that worship money. It's not a condition here that we're talking about of certain financial levels or material possessions. It is a matter of the heart. And when we get the heart right, I tell you what, God can help us in so many areas. But again, money is looking for servants. It wants to rule you. Those who have the most fear about it usually are the ones that it is dominating, that, it, that, that they have become the servants of it. But again, it will lie to you. And, and God is the answer to life, not money. And I don't mean that God won't give you some. He'll provide for you. But He's the answer. Let's keep that as our focus. He is the source of our solution, our our supply, not the things of this world. Money should serve us. It should be our servant. It should be something that we use for good things. And and don't you think it makes makes more sense? If you were God and stuff, you know, wouldn't it make more sense if your people had the resources of the planet as opposed to the devil's crowd? I mean, doesn't it just kind of make more sense that if you want to impact the world, that you give the resources to those who are living for you? I'm telling you, God's not keeping stuff out of your hand. But it is something that we must get to the point where it is not our satisfaction. It is not our fulfillment. It is not what we live for. We live for Him. And if you get in the presence of God long enough, you will not care about stuff. You, you, uh, you might enjoy a nice car, but it's like, but who cares? I have God on me. I mean, I have His anointing. I have the oil of gladness. I'm happy no matter where I'm at. Amen. I mean, they say Disneyland is the happiest place on earth, but, you know, they don't let you stay there. You, they, they make you leave. See, our happiness cannot be found in our outward circumstances. It must be inward. It must be our connection with God and the oil of gladness that's upon our lives. That will help us to be satisfied in any circumstance and situation. And when we are, we are set up for God's more blessing to manifest in us. Go with me to Mark chapter 10. Can you take a little bit more today? Mark chapter 10 course, you come out on a day that's so cold, don't want to rip you off, want to give you a full load and uh, make sure everyone goes, goes away satisfied and had a good, a good spiritual meal. Uh, Mark chapter 10, in verse 17, beginning there, let's read here. It says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal. Do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him. He did what? And said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus, uh, well, let's just stop right there for now. Now, now. now think about what's happening here. This guy is running to Jesus saying, What do I need to do to inherit eternal life? How many know you don't do that if you already know that you're right with God. I mean, I don't, for the most part, most of us in here are not asking the question every week. What do I need to do to get saved? Well, well the reason is because we already know. We all, we've already had an experience with God. Our sins have already been washed away. We know we're right with God. We're not questioning that from, hopefully not. 
We're not questioning that from day to day or, or, or week to week. But he came asking because he knew there was an issue. And you see Jesus' response. What did he tell him? Tell him to obey the law. That was the law of Moses. This was before Jesus was raised from the dead. They were not under the covenant of grace that we are now. Their sins had not been washed away. So he told them, do what Moses told you. This, this, and this, and this. And he said, I've done all this from my youth. In other words, I'm perfect. Was that true? Was it true that this guy had obeyed all the commands? Kind of weak there. It's not true. And Jesus knew that. I mean, the whole purpose of the law was to point people, to point out sin in people's lives so they would realize that they needed a Savior. So he had not lived a perfect life. He had not done all these things. And there's a reason why he came asking. And Jesus points it out by his discussion, seeing that this guy has got a lot of stuff, and he realizes that he has failed to follow the first commandment, which is to put no other gods before him. This guy had an issue, not just of having things. That's not a problem. That's not an issue at all. He had an issue with serving them. They had become his God. And so he gave them, he gave this guy quite a challenge. I mean, we don't have scripture that says that we're all supposed to do this. But he said, he told the guy, you need to sell everything. He didn't ask him for a tithe. He didn't ask him for a small offering. He said, all of it. But I pointed out one word earlier. You notice that Jesus looked at the guy and, he, and, and, and the Bible says that Jesus loved him. He did what? He loved him. He wasn't angry at him. He's not punishing him. Say, guy, listen, turn over all your stuff right here. Sell it all. Bring all your stuff here. He loved him and saw what was an obstacle to him uh, being right and dealt with it, gave him a challenge to fix it. Jesus wasn't wanting to put, to put this guy in the poorhouse. He taught when someone gave up things for the kingdom of God that they would receive a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come eternal life. Right? He, so he wasn't trying to clean this guy out. He was trying to remove his God. He was trying to remove that, that God in his life of mammon, if you will, or material things and, and possessions. Look at Matthew 6. Matthew 6 is a popular verse. It should be. I mean, it's written in red. Uh, Matthew 6, this guy's pretty well known. When you start speaking in red, we'll start listening to you. <laughs> I just like to quote the red letter guy. M Matthew 6, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your what is? Your treasure is. Your heart follows that. And so the Lord is telling people, this is how you can get your heart right. This is how you can keep your heart in the right place. You invest there. You put what's valuable to you, what's important to you in that place. Your heart will automatically go there. This, I just think this is a real good self-checkup. We all, you don't have to tell me what you're doing with your stuff and where your heart is or convince me of anything like that. But know yourself. You know where your treasure is. You know where you're putting your stuff. And know that your heart is there as well. 
guy came to me one time who was involved in our, our, our church and ministry and, and he, he was telling me how his, how over a period of time said his heart was just really not in the things that he was doing uh, in the church anymore and, and, and he really wasn't connected and, and it wasn't the same as it used to be and through our discussion he told me that uh, without me really inquiring I should have I should have went here and just asked him, but he brought it up and told me that he no longer had been giving and no longer had been tithing and he just stopped doing that at a certain point and then just kept going on. I said, you realize what you're saying here? Do you know what you're saying? You just gave the answer. You know why you're disconnected. You know why your heart is not is not with uh, this work of God anymore. You stopped giving towards it. There's no way your heart's going to stay there. Wherever you've been putting your money, that's what you love now. That's what you live for. That's what you serve. That's what you care about. And this is a constant, this is a truth in all of our lives. And if we say, I just want to serve the Lord, I just worship God, love Him with all my heart, that will be manifest through giving. It will. And I don't think, I don't think when it comes to our lives that, that we should ever give up our, our trust and submission to Him for some natural thing. But really, what I believe, my trust in God, my faith for His provision, my submission to His, to His plan for my life, these things are revealed by my giving or my lack thereof. Now, I'm not calling anyone out here. No, you don't have, no, don't, I'm not throwing any stones. And if you're quiet, no one will know that you worship money. It can be your secret. But note, note these things, they are revealed, our heart is shown by what we do. It is. And when our faith is in Him as to be our supply and our source, and it's demonstrated, it's shown, that's what allows us to walk in the greater blessings of God. True whether you like it or not. Let me tell you, in, in finishing up here today, a couple, di- couple different, totally unrelated pastors told me something that they did. One, years ago, a pastor told me that he went through his church and wanted to find some things out. He went, they went through and looked at all the people and what they gave and det- was able to determine by a baseline somewhere, those who they thought gave a tithe or more, a tenth or more. And they took that list, and then those that weren't in that list. And they also had a records of uh, counseling, of hospital visitation, you know, all things of that nature, pastoral care stuff, people who are struggling, having problems in life. And they compared the two. And he said that it was a complete match. That all the people that were having problems were all the same people who were giving or not giving at all or not uh, at least giving a tithe. And the people who were overcoming their problems. He said one person was in the hospital. He said, but we went to see him. They were already released by the time we got there. In other words, it didn't mean that people didn't have challenges. They would just quickly overcome. They would give victory over stuff. And it was a complete match with what they came up with on the financial side. Now that might sound, you know, say, well, I can't believe they would do that and judge people that way. Listen, we could ignore this to our own peril. 
I'm not saying God's putting people in the hospital. He's not or condemning people or cursing people or making their lives bad if they don't comply. This is about trusting Him as our source. Letting Him be God and supply for us. And I've seen this bleeds over into many areas of life outside of finances. Another pastor told me even this week, he, we weren't even to, didn't tell him the first story, but he said, he said, whenever people come in for counseling to me now, the first question I ask them is, are you tithing? Now, some of you, that annoys you, doesn't it? It's like, well, just hold on. He said, he, he asks them if they tithe, and he said, if they say no, or if they say yes, but they lied, because he calls them on that when they lie. He told me. When they say yes, they say, oh, so you made $6,000 last year. Now, I'm not telling you this person's name. Now, but watch. He said, if they, if, if they tell him no, or they, you know, said yes and then lied, and then he calls them out on it. Um, he said, okay, well, get that in order and come back in three months and we'll talk. Now watch, I know this still, it's like, that's mean, that's cruel. I want to tell you something though, what is he trying to do? Pastors are trying to help people. They're trying to help people in their marriage, in their finances, with their kids, on the job, to live a successful, fruitful, abundant life, to have the love of God, the joy of the Lord in their life, to, to experience God every day. And so doing something like that is not to the intent of, man, that, that guy, he's just a bad pastor. He just wants people's money. That has nothing to do with it. He is trying to help people get victory, help people experience God's best. And so he deals with the very heart of the issue, the heart of almost every issue. And that is where people live. And that is their money, their possessions. It has to do with this mammon thing. And when people are trying to get areas of their life all straightened out, yet they leave that out. Like we joke sometimes, they're baptized but pulled their wallet out right before they went under. It's like, I give you all my heart, Lord. They get out, hallelujah, and put it back in and go on and live their life. Listen, God doesn't need anyone's money. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your stuff. He's not impressed with your stuff. Even if you have a lot. Not impressed. But what does He want? He wants our hearts. He wants us to serve Him and only Him. And there is something about our faith and confidence in Him as our source, as our supply, that allows His blessings to flow to us freely. Where He can trust us with, with stuff. And a lot of stuff because we really just don't care about it that much. I just really want to live for Him. I just really want to help someone else. I just really want to be a blessing in life. Amen.